Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. That means you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. And uh, before we get started, we will start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, howdy. Uh, We're going to talk about... Something that, Howdy, Trey. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's me and Thaddeus, and um, he found uh, something that Bishop Joe Vasquez put out that's uh, consistent with the um, what the what the USCCB, the Catholic Bishops for the United States, in terms of um, what's it called? I mean, it's a, it's regarding the Eucharist, but a great deal of teaching about the Eucharist, and so... Mm-hmm. Evidently, it's going to be one of the, the first in a series of videos that the Diocese of Austin plans to um, put out over the next year um, on this theme of Eucharistic revival, and this particular first video is entitled This Wonderful Sacrament. Right, and and that... So I, I guess we can put the link up there. They can find we'll, it. We'll, we'll include it in the show notes. And another just brief interjection here. Um, if you're you know fans of Red Sea Catholic Radio, you pay, pay attention to what we're doing as an apostolate. You know that we have begun a youth sports initiative, oh, yeah, Catholic absolutely. youth sports initiative, Victory Sports. You can go there to victoryyouthsports.org. We have uh, kids first through sixth grade playing volleyball and flag football right now in the Bryan College Station area. And uh, it was a neat providential thing that we decided to talk about this video, this wonderful sacrament, and our victory virtue of this previous week was actually the virtue of wonder. Oh, wow. The, uh, the, this, this virtue that we have, this, gre- this uh, attitude we have of uh, openness and delight and awe in the the creativity of God, the right. the grandeur of God uh, in His creation, from the smallest things to the the most magnificent of uh, the universe, and we're the and and realizing that we're the pinnacle of that creation uh, right. as human beings, and and all that that means, and that we're made in the image and likeness of God, and that our Lord gave us this beautiful, wonderful sacrament to reunite us with him in 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 heaven and and even united with him on earth here um and so that's a, what a lot of the actual video is going to be about right trey the the unifying yeah. nature of the right. sacrament and, and it's interesting you brought that up because it was something i went and looked up I'm, I'm working on something else with regard to to joy completely unrelated to to this and the link between wonder and joy and and in doing so um Wonder and awe is one of the gifts of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit that right? falls under, f- typically is taught as fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But h- how important it is to kind of recapture that wonder that I think each of us kind of remembers vaguely of being a child and seeing something new mm-hmm. or amazing mm-hmm. um, and just being in wonder of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be anything from 
a beautiful sunset or to, you know, for me, maybe a sporting event, to be honest, when I was younger, you know, just, I still kind of get that when I go to a game. Well, that's, that's one of the, not to digress for too long, but that's one of the connections that we made for the athletes this last week was sports are such an amazing, excellent vehicle for capturing that sense of wonder. I mean, a fantastic uh, football place, a, a play right. that you feel like maybe you've never seen before or never right. will see again. I don't know, maybe like a ball bouncing <laughs> off the top of an upright. <laughs> right. Or, <laughs> but, yeah, or or somebody fumbling on the goal line uh, and then handing it off and it being 100 yards later. Uh, but uh, – but we digress. Yeah. Uh, but digress. but at the same time, but at the same time, I you know, for me, I can remember you know being excited to go to games, um, whether it was even little league as a parent, but it, but more what I remember as a little kid going to like the first some of the first big like either professional or mm-hmm. uh, or college mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. and I don't know. There's there's a, just a sense of of wonder, of awe, of amazement that kind of brings out a joy until your team loses. But yeah. <laughs> but if you have the proper, I'm just kidding. but uh, you're, yeah, you're uh, you are just kidding, and I know you'll agree with me about this. That if you have the proper sensibility for um, athletic competition, you should be able to recognize greatness even when the other team is is performing. Hundred percent, yes, and that and that's anyway. It's it's uh, amazing. So. The connection between that and and the Eucharist and the, and trying to capture a sense of, of awe and wonder, um, she begins with she begins with this, which is I believe in the it's the collect of the Chrism Mass. She said, "Is that is that right?" The, no, for the know. Feast of Corpus Christi. It was the collect for the feast of Corpus Christi? Yeah, and it's it's it begins, and this is where her, the, this wonderful sacrament or the sacrament of wonder. Mm-hmm. It says, "Oh, this is from the folks." Collect. Just to let you know, Trey is no slouch at the uh, technical things right. and the technology. He was smart and took oh. screenshots of the video as well. He watched I, I, it, I so thought he there was good stuff re- there. Refer, refer to it, and and I do think you should go because we will not we'll, we'll we'll digress and we'll miss some points that that she makes, which I think it's very well done, and you should go listen to it. But she begins with the person who's who's doing this um, video mm-hmm. with this line or couple lines from uh, the collect. It says, "O God, who in this wonderful sacrament have left have left us a memorial of your passion, grant us, we pray, so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood, that we may always experience in ourselves the fruits of your redemption. Who live and reign with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever, Amen." And so, that's where the wonder the wonder comes, I, and I think there's probably two parts to this. Uh, at least from what when I read that, one has to do with sacred mysteries, and this is called the mystery of parenthood because it's it's an invisible reality um, of your of his body and blood, right? I mean that's mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. he Jesus is present in what looks like a piece of bread in body in body and blood, and so what looks like bread the sacred mystery, the unseen portion of that is that he really is truly present in what looks like bread and wine after the consecration, right? And so that's the first part of it. So that's part of the wonder is God is present in what looks like bread and looks like wine. And then the second thing that I think creates wonder is the second part is that we may are always experience in ourselves the fruit of our redemption. That connection between what we're in the presence of or who we're in the presence of and that that's meant to produce fruit in us, that somehow we're con- not, not just connected to it, but meant to be someone who goes out into the world, that each one of us, no matter where we find ourselves, whether we're a small child or a really old person like me or married, single, whatever, that there's some part of us that is meant to participate in this, not just in participating in the mass itself, not just in participating in Holy Communion, but that we're meant to go 
and bear fruit. And, you know, it is one of the things that Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by their fruit. And so um, I think those should create a great deal of wonder in us. There's not anybody who's not meant um, as a baptized Christian who who uh, participates, hopefully consciously, actively, <laughs> in the Mass, that we're meant to take what we receive and go out and give it away, give Him away through us, and that, that each one of us has a role to, to do, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter our age, no matter what gifts we think we have or might not have. And so that should be something that creates some wonder. I mean, what, what do you have from it? Wonder. What do you have for me, Lord? What did you, I can't believe that you would use me, but please use me to bear fruit. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, and so she kind of starts off, and this is the framework of the um, of the whole talk. The, the, she uses this quote, you know, and I, I don't remember, and it's not on here where it's from. I think it's from, I'm pretty sure it's from the catechism, but it may be from the compendium of the catechism. She did say it was from the compendium. This one is? Okay. And so I'll, I'll just read it because this is kind of the, the last sentence is what, what guides the whole uh, of this particular talk about the wonder. The Eucharist is the very sacrifice of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus which he instituted to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages until his returning glory. Thus he entrusted to his church this memorial of his death and resurrection. And here's the key line. It is a sign of unity, a bond of charity, a paschal banquet in which Christ is consumed, the mind is filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory is given to us. And that's that, that those two sentences together should create some awe and wonder because it's not just something that's we just do. It is Christ doing it himself through his, through his church, and he perpetuates that sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. So this is not just simply, as people say, a memorial, like just a remembrance of. Do, do this in memory of me and remembrance of me. Memorial speaks to the actual sacrifice because that, that is a term used for sacrifice. Um, and then his, his death and resurrection. So it is a remembrance, but it's actual being part of in a real way, in a substantial way, his death and resurrection. And as such, it becomes a sign of unity, which we should all as a, I mean, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian faith and our Christian life. Um, but because it's a sacrament, it, it is a sign, not only a sign, but certainly a sign, right? I mean, there's a reality behind the sign that, you know, if I see a stop sign, it's a sign that says you got to stop it doesn't actuate. It doesn't cause me to stop. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't do something to me. Whereas what's happening in in the mass is Christ is acting on me to the extent I'm disposed. He's making himself available to us. And so it's not just a sign of, of unity. It is a sign and it's an efficacious sign is what the church would say. It's something that causes what it signifies. That's, that's what, that's what a sacrament is. So it's a sign of unity, but it actually causes unity and a bond of charity and that it's a bank, a Paschal banquet. And this is what she goes through. And then of course, as with any sacrament, it would necessarily have to include grace because that's why sacraments were given to us. Right. And we, uh, she doesn't go great length about this, but we're filled with God's grace as a result of, are partaking in that. And because of that, um, grace properly understood from a Christian standpoint is something that actually elevates our nature, helps us become able to go and bear fruit that we wouldn't without the help of God, without his power and life in us, 
that we wouldn't be able to accomplish. And then ultimately uh, that it's a pledge of future glory. Um, and all of it is a gift. It's given to us. So, I think it's so wonderful and magnificent if you stop and think about what you were just talking about there, that God wants us to participate in his very inner life. He wants us to have divine life. He wants us to be divinized. He wants us to achieve salvation. It's it's so different than the um, the heretical understanding uh, of of grace and salvation in something like Calvinism, with that very strict um, understanding of of predestination. And that there's double predestination. Yeah, there's no there's no opportunity for those who are not destined for heaven to achieve salvation. And I hope I'm not um, mischaracterizing here. Well, I don't I don't know, but I, I mean I've had conversations. But the reality is is that as Paul tells tells Timothy in his letter, you know, God wills that all men might be saved, right. and and that the salvation is not just simply a salvation that says okay, you're saved, you're not going to hell. But it's a salvation that actually incorporates us into his family, fills us with his grace, Mm -hmm. and allows us to go out and do things and participate in a unique and unrepeatable way in this world, something that will change because you exist, because you're allowing his grace to work through you, because of what he's doing in and through you to do something that he wants done. Right. In this world that only you can do. I mean, you're you're a, a unique and unrepeatable person. And you're changed by that by that grace. You're changed by the grace. And 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 again, our reception of grace, grace is all is available to us. He's pouring out his grace. We have to be predisposed, which is part of why they're going in terms of the re, revival that they're talking here. Is it it's while his grace is flowing and, and is there regardless of how we receive it. It's our awareness, our consciousness of what's going on and our active participation in what's going on in the mass that, that transforms us and allows us to go out into the world, not only with just a different outlook, but with, with kind of a mission and, and then a reliance on the fact that he's going to do something through me. Not that I've got to go, not like, okay, God, I got it. I'm going to go do it but that he, we're going to cooperate with him. Right. And that is a salvation that is, speaks to our dignity, to our human dignity, that he wants us and is providing for us the capability to do something with our lives that is in complete reliance on what he's doing, right? I mean, it's, but we're cooperating with him. We're workers in the vineyard, so to speak. We're people that he says, hey, I can now, no matter what, you know, whether you're the first one in line or the, or the last one right before it goes, he's, he's always saying, Hey, go to work, you know, go to work and I'll give you the opportunity to make a difference. And we have to choose to cooperate. We have to choose to be those workers that, that come to the master of the, of the harvest and say, I want to work, even though it's late in the day or it's midday or, or whatnot. We have to right. still choose it. And it's and, and part of the wonder is that we we need to have the eyes of faith to recognize that the circumstances he puts us puts us in and the people he has us run across are he's involved in those things occurring. And so we have to have the eyes of faith that extends beyond just a, a happenstance. Oh, I just ran into this person. I hadn't seen him in 20 years. What the first question should be is, Lord, what do you have to give to me through them? I mean, it, what, so let me listen to them. But then also, what are you asking me to do? That's where I think wonder comes. We, when, we, when we think that we're just accidentally going through life, and God kind of intervenes intermittently instead of him being involved completely in our lives, who we see, what happens to us, what happens to people we care about. How do we deal with that is always a call on us. That's part of our mission. 
you know, who do we see day to day? And I think that's part of where the fruit comes from is when we're not only aware of his presence in the Eucharist, but also aware that when we walk out the door, when we are sent, you know, when Ida Misa, Misa sent, when, when the body of Christ is sent out into this world, you and I are part of that body, and therefore we're meant to interact with others and to give what we've received. Mm-hmm. So part of what's going on here is trying to increase the awareness in terms of what the bishop is doing, what the bishops are trying to do for a revival. What is a revival? To kind of bring alive again, right? This sense of wonder that Christ has something for me to do. Christ has something for you to do. Anybody that's listening, Christ has something for you to do. And that can happen in the very ordinary circumstances of life. It could just be a kind word. It could be helping something that seems so small, but it's not. If we understand through the eyes of faith that he's, that's what we're meant to do is to bring him to this world. So Mm -hmm. I I, I just think that's wonder. So, so, so the first part of this that she's kind of going through this, um, those two lines that I read and apologize while I'm trying to flip back through here, because every time I do it, the first part of it is, it's a very, you know, the Eucharist is the very sacrifice of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. And so she gets into this as the body and blood of our Lord to focus on that that is no longer a piece of bread or, or a cup of chalice of wine. It is actually, in reality, under sacramental signs, the body and blood of our Lord. And that creates unity. So this is one of the things, remember... True unity is not found by finding least common denominator. True unity is not found by just negotiations. True unity, lasting unity, unity that will last forever, is always a participation in the only source of unity that there is. And that only source of unity is the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and their life, their divine life, which ought to create wonder because part of the reason that Jesus came, well, actually the number one reason was to reveal that God was a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that the second in the hierarchy of truths is that he came to die for us, that we might be saved, and that that salvation is not just uh, you don't go to heaven, but that you have something to do in this life. And part of that is just to, to live in that unity that is him. And so I, they talk about the chrism mass and there's a, there's a picture on there of, of the bishop along with all the other bishops kind of, and, and priests standing behind him that shows an outward visible sign, not a sacrament in the truest sense, but, but a sign in this sense of, of that unity. But there's one line that I that you know that they talk about the divinity and the humanity of Christ that's made present in the body, and so both his divinity and his humanity, which is again I think an important point. One of the things that that is the difference between this sacrament and all other sacraments is that in his humanity, he himself is made present under sacramental signs in his fully in his divinity and fully in his humanity. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what's the difference. So if we pray and gather together two or three gather in his name and we're praying, is he present? Absolutely. In his divinity, uh, all the ways that he's present to us, he's present in his divinity, but in the Eucharist, he's present in both his, divinity and his humanity. And that's important. And this is a line that, you know, most of us don't hear. I I remember Father Mike, Bishop Mike Sis, now used to say this aloud. um, And I love the line. It says, but this is what um, the priest says. um, He'll say, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And so there's this old term. Well, first off, you know, I think, so that's when he's dropping the, dropping the water into the wine is when that, when that is said, mm-hmm. usually it's inaudible to us, but the priest is saying it, but 
the water and wine go. The water can represent his humanity. It can, it represents, as I was taught, uh, in a lot of ways, it represents our offering. You know, that drop of water being what humans add to the sac, add to what Christ has accomplished, which is a very small amount, right? It's all of our things that we have offered to God in, through, and with Jesus Christ in and through this perfect offering, this representation of his death, passion, death, resurrection um, that we go to at Mass. And so he does that. The other thing, this line, that we may come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And there's a term that's an old term that that was used and is still out there. It's part of what the church teaches is it's called the divinization, which most people go, wait, wait, wait a second. It's not a, it's not a divin. We don't, we're not made gods. We are made partakers of the divine nature is what St. Peter says that we become partakers of the divine nature. So God is so humble, so loving, so perfect that he wants to share himself with us and to make us sons and daughters of God, right? He wants us to share in his divinity, not as our own, but as a participant, as a partaker of that divinity. And I think that's really important. That's when we say that we're, our identity should be, the center of our identity should be, you and I are sons of God, right? Adopted sons of God, that we're part of his family, that we are his children. And St. John says as much in First John 3, right? That we, that's who we, that's what we are. And that should be the foundation of who we are. I mean, that should be the thing that we always go back to. Our identity is not our job. Our identity is not even our vocation. Our identity is wrapped up in we have been made through our baptism sons and daughters of God. And that's what's going there. So there's unity in, in that the, in the sacrament, the body and blood of our Lord is meant to be this, this unity of Christ as one body, right? As, as one body. Um, and then also, and this is at the end of the Eucharistic prayer. So that's kind of at the beginning of what's going on when, when the water is dropped into the wine. At the end, right before the great amen, you hear the unity of the Trinity through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And that should bring us all in wonder too, because what we're doing is when, when, the, when, the, when the gifts are being brought up, We've talked about this before. We should be offering ourselves together with the money or whatever we've done. We should consciously be offering ourselves. And that when after the consecration, when Jesus is made present, his whole body is made present and offered to the Father through him, with him, and in him. And that should be awe-inspiring. Yeah, you know, I was contemplating that in Mass this weekend. Um, you talked about um, his humanity is present and his divinity, and then you're talking about offering our whole selves um, during the offertory and while the consecration is taking place on the altar, on the altar of sacrifice. And I was thinking about, because his humanity is there, fully present, and he is the the saving victim. Right. He's the his his obedience to the Father to go to the cross and suffer his passion and death and and then rise in his resurrection. I mean that's what made salvation possible and gives us access to share in his divine life. Right. right. Um but isn't it true that therefore we should be asking for Help me, Lord, to make myself a saving victim insofar as I can in my life for others. I should follow you 100%. in 
being that saving victim and laying down my life, laying down my ego, laying down my priorities, laying down um, my getting rid of my my sins, right? Giving up my my sinful ways. But we're, that's what we're supposed to do with with our body, with our humanity, is make an offering of it, make it make a, a self salvific offering of it uh, through through Him. That's the only way it has any meaning and any exactly. power, right. any any eff, efficacy is if it's united to His ultimate um, one. Because there's sacrifice. one there's one acceptable sacrifice, right. and and He's opening that up for us to participate in. Right. There's that line in Colossians that that St. Paul says, Colossians one twenty four. Every Catholic should know it because it 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 says I don't know it. it don't have it memorized. Colossians one twenty four says, I rejoice now in my sufferings, for I make up for what is lacking yes. in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. I do know it, I just don't have it memorized. Right. So so I rejoice in my sufferings. Why? Because I recognize that because of Christ's sufferings, even my sufferings have value to the extent that I am offering them with him. What is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Nothing is lacking. It's the perfect sacrifice. The only thing is lacking is that he's opened it up for us to provide meaning for our own sufferings, which is out of love, saying, we're, you know, we're going to do it. I, as I, you know, one of my favorite verses from if you go back to numbers like 2021 20, you you'll see that that's when when the all the people are complaining about their suffering you don't have to eat this awful bread you know the man in the desert and you know you just left us out here to die and they're just grumbling and so god sends these serpents and then they start biting people and people start dying and then they go to moses and said we're really sorry would you go please ask him to take away to take away the serpents <laughs> and God's answer is no, take, take the serpent, a, a, an image of the serpent, wrap it on a pole and hold it up. And if you look upon, if you look upon that after you've been bitten, you will be healed. Well, think about that. I mean, you're looking at the, at an image of the thing that is causing you the pain and that's the mechanism by which he does it, but he doesn't take the serpents away. That's exactly what Jesus says, like Moses did in the desert, when I am lifted up. He, he actually references, Jesus references the fact mm-hmm. when I'm lifted up, which mm-hmm. points to his cross. So the very thing that we would be afraid of, what causes us fear, are our sufferings and our death, right? Unless we look upon the cross of Christ and recognize what Christ has done for us, the only way that we can be saved, the one and only person by whom, through whom we can be saved is the person of Christ. And that's why Paul will say, I preach Christ crucified, not, not risen. I preach him. Of course he's risen. There, there's no, there's no disconnect because he was crucified, but he preaches Christ crucified. And therefore we, to this day at Catholic churches, most of them are going to have crucifixes, right? That show the body, the corpus, Jesus on the cross, because we're preaching Christ crucified. That shows us his love for us. It shows us that all the suffering that comes our way, all the things that are, that are causing us pain, even our death, if united with his perfect sacrifice, what's lacking is our taking all that and offering it together with him. We are one body, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the church would say at the mass. It's the whole Christ that's being offered. Christ the head together with his body, the church, which is us. And so suffering has meaning. Death has meaning. But when we have Christ, we have an understanding of what that, what that meaning is, that somehow he uses because what did he he used his passion, death, and resurrection to save us? The greatest evil ever perpetrated in the history of mankind, the 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 killing of God Himself by the rejection of us is what is used to actually save us. Mm-hmm. And so the things that we don't like that are coming our way or have come our way, 
is meant to be offered together with him. Just this is a really an aside. You know, you talk about the Israelites hold putting the serpent on the staff and holding it up and the people looking at the at the serpent and being being healed and the cross uh, being the instrument of of death being actually the instrument of salvation through Christ it's interesting that there's you know um, a reflection of that in the in the natural order of um, um, antidote an antidote to a snake bite is uses snake venom. the venom of the snake to produce the antidote. Uh, wow! A, yeah, a vaccine uses the DNA or the cellular um, material right. to create the to create the vaccine. Which which seems, from a human perspective, not from a science and from a non scientist, which I am, um, to be counter intuitive. It's not what we. Think, but somehow there is there isn't that a natural order that kind of points to the fact that 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 it's in looking upon God's love for us that was that was exhibited in and through what Christ suffered and died for us out of obedience to the Father for the love of us and for the love of the Father because the Father wants all men to be saved so right. so Jesus. In, in his humanity, suffered as we all as we all did in a, in a way that was uh, that shows us that somehow that embracing of kind of leaning into the cross, so to speak, that's one of my favorite scenes in the Passion, where he he kind of hugs the cross at one point. You know, you know that that he recognizes that that's the only way, mm-hmm. and and for us that we're as Saint Paul says. We can rejoice in our sufferings because they're not meaningless anymore. They're not. They're they're something that can be united with the perfect sacrifice of Christ, in a way that Christ can use it because we're part of His body, mm-hmm. to continue His saving work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's the way He designed it. <laughs> right? We're not doing anything other than falling in line with Him. And so, the offering of of our of our lives at the mass is kind of summed up in that prayer that says through him with him and in him oh god almighty father which again everything's directed towards the father in the mass right this is all this is us as children of god us as the one body of christ together in the unity of the holy spirit we're offering it all for his glory and his honor which is his forever and ever. And that is another source of wonder that somehow those little things that are bothering us, or maybe those big things that we're, that we're having to go through has meaning in, to the extent that we unite it with what Christ accomplished on the cross and that somehow God can use that. And in some strange way, we can rejoice in the sufferings that come our way for the sake of his body, the church, that's mind boggling. It's, it's wonder (laughs) inducing. So there's that unity of the Trinity, the prayer, the prayer of the whole. So, yeah. And just real quickly, we often, or at least I often don't think about um, unity and us being one with God in terms of the unified saving action of the three persons of the trinity they're one divine substance three persons they can't be they can't be separated they don't ever act separately that it's right. always they're always acting um, in concert maybe that's not the right the right verb but um we have a tendency to think about unity in kind of primarily i think first in a in an ecumenical sense and right. she, this video brings out a lot of these more fundamental senses of of unity that, that right. the Eucharist makes possible, because only because really the only lasting unity, all other any human produced unity, separate from the unity that is is passing away, mm-hmm. um, whether it's from division and disagreement or death or whatever, it's all passing away. 
but um, she goes on. So oblation is another word kind of for an offering, right? And so it says, this is another prayer from the Mass. Priests would say, look, we pray upon the oblation of your church. All right. So we've all made our offering of ourselves at that time. So look, we pray upon the oblation of your church. And this is critical, recognizing the sacrificial victim, capital V, Jesus, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. So only because of him, recognize him in our oblation of, of the church, his body. Grant that we who are nourished by his body and blood and the, by the body and blood of your son and filled with the Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. So we're, we're begging, you know, please grant us by recognizing your son and his offering and then our offerings, our oblation offered together with his, which now gives it meaning because separate from him, nothing, <laughs> right? nothing right. matters, nothing makes sense. Jesus is the answer to every question, as John Paul II would say. Um, so, and then as a result of that, she also goes into the, what, the fact that we trust that God is seeing his son and that his son has opened himself up to us to offer ourselves and all that we're going through our entire being together with him. That right after that, there's the prayer of peace, right? Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will. And again, pointing back to unity, it's the unity that that's lasting. We are asking for by offering his son, the perfect sacrifice back to him and us participating in that by offering ourselves together with him. Ought to create, create a great deal of wonder. Right. But again, it takes the eyes of faith, right? Without, we, we did a show not too long ago without faith. It's impossible to please God. What is faith? The assurance of things hoped for the, Oh my gosh, I'm usually pretty good at that. Uh, the conviction of things not seen. Yes. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the height of that we and the peace that comes of that, right. The What visibly looks like just the mass, invisibly what's happening is we are, as a church, offering unified ourselves to, we're offering Jesus to the Father and ourselves together with Jesus because that's what he opened up for us. That's what he intended for us is for that. And that, that way, instead of taking the, instead of taking away all the snakes that bite us day to day, he's giving meaning to it. And we look upon the cross that, that says that's not the end. There's something to go back to the, the historical moment of the, the crucifixion right then and there, it doesn't look like that's going to be, or is the instrument of salvation. By human eyes, but it is in that moment, without doing it, doing exactly that, right? Without faith, it's impossible. That's why they say Mary was amazing, that's have, and that's why you have the model of the or the the presence of the two criminals are, are there to to bring that out for the right readers of the of the scripture, right? And and the fact that Mary is there, his mother, our mother, mm-hmm. is something that points to that even. I think John Paul uses the term something like even at the at the very event that looks like the utter denial of what she had been told would happen, she still is there and believing that God somehow is going to use this. Whether she knew that or not, I don't know. It's not in the catechism. I'm not sure it's in the catechism either. <laughs> But but at the same time, yeah, it takes what a matter of what about know. a faith? What amount of faith there was to not curse God, to not go, wait a second, you you lied to me. This is supposed to be the savior of the world. No, she's there and openly um lives through that and does not walk away from that. And that's, that's right. That's right. You know, and that and that's a that's a beauty beautiful testimony to the faith on that. 
And so in keeping with the with also um, unity, there's a couple other lines that I think um, regarding this. And again, you hear this idea of offering. Um, this is another line that the priest will say during Mass, which we offer you firstly for your Holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Joe, our Bishop, and all those who holding the truth, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Which, by the way, as parents, that's what we're meant to do. So that prayer is for us as parents. We're meant to be handing on the Catholic and apostolic faith, right? That's that's part of our job. And so that that again points to the unity of us with all those out there, those other parents, the bishop, the pope, everybody else who's living on this earth, right? We're unified with them in that offering. My mom used to always say, Trey, if you look across the whole world, there's a mass being said all the time <laughs> somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's a mass happening just by time zones, <laughs> It's happening. And that idea that that's been going on for millennia now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so together, all of us are participating. And that's just not the people in the church there, but it's every Catholic who goes to Mass at that point. And then, um, and then the other one, it says, remember also our brothers and sisters who've fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection. This is again from the prayer. Sorry to stop you. This yeah. is another aside or digression. So, perfectly understandable that Mass wasn't celebrated on the first Good Friday, and would it have been celebrated on the first Holy Saturday? I, I don't know. That's a, I don't, I don't. But we do know from the Scripture that it was celebrated on Divine Mercy Sunday because Christ. That, that was Christ walking with the apostles on the road to Emmaus, right? right. And that's... yes understood well that's what that's that's part of the as again a, as a mass right and the other you know his you know they, they ask him to come inside when come stay with us mm -hmm. right and then he takes bread breaks it prays the blessing right. and then right. they they he disappears at that moment right and they don't take like hey wait a second what they what happens is is they like We've got to go back and tell him. Not only has he, you know, and so they go back to share their Eucharistic joy mm -hmm. that he's made himself present again. Um, and they're they understood at that moment. Yes, the, the scriptures tell us. Yeah, they, they their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened, and they go back. Um, they run back to kind of hey, we we saw him, you know, mm -hmm. and so um, and again. They would have known, do this in remembrance of me. He says that at the Last Supper. Right, right. So I don't know how soon after. I don't know. But certainly Jesus came back and did it as part of as part of it during the resurrection. I'm assuming he walked 40 days with, with them, right? I mean, was around for 40 days. is just captured. It seems, it seems reasonable that they, that they may have on Holy Saturday in the upper room done, you know, so, done the meal in remembrance of me because he just told us two days ago to to do this. Right. I guess it would require uh, the coming I mean, again. We're, we're, we're just, we're, this, is we're, this is speculation. But at the same time, we know that they took him at his word. Do this. It's mm -hmm. an order. Mm -hmm. Right. Do it. <laughs> that they were going to do it when he rises from the dead and, and appears. We only have small documentation of things that occurred during that time. But he was forty days was appearing to people. You got to believe he was teaching, hey, this is what this means. This is why this had to happen. Right. And that and that episode on the road to Emmaus, two days, three days later, all it already makes sense to them what's what's, what's go going on. What's going on. Right. Because they're they're complaining, you know, they're like they got this person walks up to him and says, What are y'all talking about? And they basically say have you? Are you the only person that doesn't know which is good humor? Right. right. <laughs> are you? Are you the only person? No, actually, you're the, you are the only person that does understand what's happened. Right. And so he opens up the scriptures. Right. In that, and again, that's a model of mass too, right? right. Exactly. They're walking along. He's speaking to them, kind of teaching, which is kind of the 
the the first part of mass mm-hmm. and then the second part of mass which is the liturgy of the eucharist right is where that is where that happens oh my gosh i'm I sorry i believe. took you way off your but, path anyway i know we're getting close but but it, it, the, the second thing on this with regard to unity is we're, we're also united with remember also our brothers and sisters who've fallen asleep in the hope of resurrection and all who have died in your mercy welcome them in the light of your face have mercy on us all we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and the ble- and Blessed Saint Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, that we're united with them. So we're not just united with all who are celebrating the Mass now, we're also united with, with all who have gone before us, right? So there's an eternal perspective in this. Again, awe and wonder, your grandmother, my grandmother, my my grandfather, my mother, all of them are present in the mass. So let's recapture that. You know, that's part of the revival. We'll we'll come back. We didn't get through all of this, but I thought the the verse for today would be really good with regard to unity. It's First Corinthians ten seventeen. It says, "Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread." The one bread is the source of all unity because we tap into. The unity that is. Oh yeah, and the, and the video talks about how the one bread. We're all participating all over the world. Laity, bishops, priests, all participating in the same, the same Eucharist, the one Eucharist. The same, the self same sacrifice that ha- occurred on the cross on Calvary is made present again, represented in this. So, anyway, I wish we had more time because it's kind of exciting. But uh, go watch the video and uh, remember. Only God can take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Always will. Promise. God bless. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.